You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. There are certain things in life that you really have to experience um, to understand. For example, if you had never tasted honey before, and and I was going to try to convince you that honey was good, um, I wouldn't call up a biologist and say, hey, um, explain what honey is. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him explain that honey is bees collecting the secretions of plants and transforming them into a thick golden substance, right? Like, that doesn't sound very good. It may be true, but I would rather um, get someone who's tasted honey, and I'd say, hey, you've tasted honey, describe it for us. And they'd probably be like, I don't know, it's, it's sweet, it's delicious, and you really got to try it for yourself. And, and see, there's certain things in life that you have to experience to understand. And and I've talked with people about how there is joy in God and there is satisfaction there and there is contentment there. And and they look at me and they say, that's just not my experience. I I don't experience that when I read the word. I don't experience that when I come to church. And and I I just tell them, just keep pressing forward. But until you really taste and see, you aren't gonna understand. And it will seem odd when I explain the Christian life like this. And so today, I really am going to try to do my best to help you, um, give you a path um, to start experiencing God and enjoying Him like this. But really, until you decide, I'm going to fight for this, I'm going to pursue this, I'm going to taste and see God for myself, then you're not really going to understand. And that's why in Psalm 34, 8, David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. He's like, I could try to describe him to you. I could, I could list his attributes out. I could talk about how amazing he is. But really, you've just got to taste and see him for yourself. That's when you'll begin to understand. And when you read about David's um, devotional life through the Psalms, you can see he did taste and see that God was good. He understood it. He was a man after God's own heart. And he wasn't perfect, but he did enjoy that joy and that satisfaction that are found in God. And so really my goal for you today is I'm trying to convince you to fight for this. If you read your Bible and it's dry, if you come to church and the the worship doesn't um, really kindle the fires in your heart, if if you find yourself wrestling with um, pursuing worldly pleasure over Christ, then then I want to convince you today that it's worth the fight to pursue your joy in God. But it might take some time until you actually taste and see that he's good and experience what I'm talking about. Now, before we jump in, I do want to quickly review last week because it's kind of a foundation for this week. And I really ran out of time last week. I didn't get to explain all of it. And so that kind of leaked into this week. And actually, as I was preparing, um, it's going to leak into next week, too. And, and this is, like I said, we're not in a series right now, but it kind of has turned into a series. Um, and I think this is just the Lord working um, in our, and he wants you to understand this. But last week, we looked at the quote um, from John Piper that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And I said, is this true? Because if this is true, that's awesome. And and there's so many implications we can grasp from that. But is that true? And and we looked at Philippians 1, and, and I argued from the Scripture that, yes, John Piper doesn't just teach this, but the Apostle Paul teaches this. And then we looked at the Psalms and we saw that the psalmist teach it and we saw um, all throughout the New Testament that it was taught and that Jesus taught it that, yes, God is glorified when we are satisfied in Him. And I said, because that's true, here are three practical um, applications that we can grab from that. First of all, that means that God's glory and our joy are not at odds with one another. 
And, and I said, that's the greatest truth I ever discovered in my Christian life. Okay, so I'm saved. I believe the gospel. But, but when I understood that my happiness and God's glory were not separate paths, that was like mind-blowing to me. I remember telling my dad in high school, I was a senior in high school, and I, was, I, I felt like the Lord was calling me to ministry as a young child. But in my senior year, I remember telling my dad, I don't really want to do ministry. And he said, why? And I said, because I just want to have a fun life. And he looked at me just so like confused, like he didn't even understand it. And it, it's because I, I was seeing it like living for God is, is hard and it's over here and there's really not a lot of joy there, but over here is my happiness. And, and what if I just kind of lived in the middle here so I could be happy and, and kind of live for God? And, and I told him I would go to church still and, and, and I just didn't understand until college that they're the same path. That when I pursue God's glory in my life, there's joy there and there's satisfaction that would never be found anywhere else. So that's the first one. The second one um, that I argued is that ultimate joy is found in glorifying God. And, and I said, whenever you walk away from a desire to glorify God, you're actually walking away from your joy. And, and so that's so important that you understand. So when you see a command in the scripture that, oh, I don't know about that. You say, I'm just going to do it my own way. You're actually walking away from greater joy in God. And kind of the illustrations that I gave last week is I said, look, God looks good when you enjoy him. And I illustrated it like this. When I go to my brother-in-law's house and his boys come running and they say, Uncle Michael, Uncle Michael. And they hug me and, and they want to play. And, and I'm saying that made me feel good. And that kind of makes me look good. The kids love me, right? But then I said, if I went in the kitchen and I saw Mike handing out dollar bills and saying, good job for saying you loved Uncle Michael. Right? That would kind of take away from um, me looking good. I'd be like, they weren't doing it for me. They were doing it for money. Right? And, and I said, the same is true with a marriage. If I love Shannon and, and I want to make her look good, then, then I'm going to enjoy her. Right? I'm going to find satisfaction in her. And I said, if I came home one day and I said, here you go, babe, here's some roses. And she said, what's this for? And I said, well, it's my duty. You know, I signed the marriage contract, so here you go. That wouldn't make Shannon look good, but so many Christians are living that way. They're, they're trying to live for God out of some duty, out, out of some hope that eh, maybe, maybe one day it'll be worth it. Maybe I'll get paid in heaven. But they're missing it completely. That doesn't make God look good, and that doesn't bring any joy to your heart. And so I argued last week, pursue God's glory, but understand that pursuing God's glory means finding your satisfaction in Him. And those two are together. And the final point I made last week was that the Christian life is a fight for joy in God. I said, if it's true that God looks really good when you enjoy him, then what do you think the enemy wants to do? Tempt you to find your enjoyment and joy and satisfaction in anything and everything but God. So he's not going to come to you with a pitchfork right, and red horns. And say, follow me, bow down to me, I'm Satan. Like, that would never work, right? That's ridiculous. What does he come to us with? With these little pleasures that look kind of good. Man, that would be fun. Man, God's holding out on me. I'm not allowed to do this. The Bible says I can't do that. And we get tempted, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They had an entire garden of paradise. It was awesome. It was amazing. They were walking with God. And Satan comes and says, you know, there's this one fruit. God said you couldn't have it. And they believe the lie that there would be joy and satisfaction there. And every day we're going to be tempted 
in this world to look other places for our enjoyment. And so that is really what brings our message in today. If it's true that the Christian life is a fight for joy, then what I want to do is I want to help you fight for joy in God. I want to give you practical steps that you can take to fight for your joy in God. Because this changes everything. It changes the way we look at Bible reading and prayer. We don't do those to check off a box or because it's our duty. We do those um, because they're tools to kindle the fires of our joy in God. Same for coming to church. We come here to find greater joy in God. Man, we've gone all week long and we've gotten the world's methods pumped into our system through TV and music and friends and coworkers, and, and we've got to hear the true story again and have our minds renewed through the preaching of God's Word and, and the worship of, of our fellow believers. We need that for our joy in God. And, and I said the same with temptation. I quoted C.S. Lewis who said, Our desires aren't too, too strong, they're too weak. We're going after mud puddles. When, when a holiday at the sea is offered for us. And I talked about ministry. You know, my job as a preacher in the scriptures is actually to fight for your joy. Philippians 1.25 says, um, Paul says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. And in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says that he is workers for them, for their joy. So my job for you is to bring the Word of God to your hearts, to lift up Jesus, to show how beautiful and glorious He really is each and every week, and to fight for your joy. When I'm praying for you by name all week long, I'm asking God to, to help you find your joy in Him. That, that's what I want for you, because I know that when you find your joy in Him, He is glorified. And that's what it's all about. And so today, I'm, I'm going to give you some weapons to fight for joy. Now, um, I made a list, and I, I came up with like 20 and so I said, okay, we can't do this in one week. So I boiled it down to like 12, um, and I'm going to do five today, okay? So I know five is more than three, but believe me, we're going to go quick, okay? Um, in our after-service after gathering, we're going to talk about these a little more in depth, and, and I'm going to try to get a little more practical with you. Um, but these are some weapons to use in the fight for joy, okay? And the first one is this. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself Every day. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you. So he's saying, I'm reminding you of the gospel that I've already preached to you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached to you, unless ye believed in vain. So he's saying, look, I'm bringing the gospel. It's of first importance. I want to remind you of this gospel. And so he reminds him in verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So he's reminding them of the basic tenets of the Gospel. Right? Christ died for our sins and was raised. That's what we tell the children, to remember it. He's reminding these Corinthians of the Gospel because it's so important that they understand the Gospel. The gospel is foundational to finding your happiness and joy in God. Because apart from the gospel, you're dead in your sins. And you'll face the wrath of God for all eternity. So I think it's obvious that if you don't believe the gospel, there's no joy in God for you. Right? And so as Christians, yes, we believe the gospel and we believe and become Christians and we're saved. And we don't have to believe the gospel to be saved again. But every single day we need to hear those glorious truths again. That God 
the infinite creator, would send his son to die for me so that I could become his child? Man, that kindles my heart. Every day I need that truth. To hear that that this infinite, almighty, powerful, majestic God would love me like that? It's scandalous. It's crazy. It completely flips my categories. And I need to hear it every single day. The glorious good news that Jesus paid for all my sins. All my sins that, that when I wake up tomorrow and I feel like a failure. And I remember again the gospel. That Jesus said it's finished. You're my beloved child now. You're my son. And I love you. Man that fires up my heart for God. And so that's a weapon that you use to fight for your joy in God. To preach the gospel. Because the gospel is where you see the glory of God most clearly. And we need to hear it every single day. So how do we do this? Well, memorize and meditate on gospel passages. The one I just talked to you about in 1 Corinthians 15 and Isaiah 53. Awesome passage where it talks about Christ who's going to come and bear our sins. And that was like 700 years before he came. That's awesome. Romans 8 One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible that just unpacks that we are children. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God. Like this is amazing truth in Romans 8. Ephesians 2. It talks about how you were dead in your sins. Separated from God. No hope at all. But yet he came and he saved us. Colossians 1 talks about the supremacy of Christ. The glory of Christ. It lifts him up so high for us. And, and, and you can see that Paul is stretching to, to try to describe for us how glorious Jesus is. And then he talks about how that same Jesus came and paid for our sins on the cross. So meditate. Soak in those truths. And preach them to yourself. In uh, Psalms, you can read all throughout the Psalms that the psalmist like, preach to themselves. They, they, they say things like this in Psalm 42. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hey, why are you sad? Why aren't you finding joy in God? And then they say this, hope thou in God. And so I wouldn't recommend doing that in public, right? Why art thou cast down, O oh my soul? Like people are going to think you're weird if you're, if you're preaching to yourself. But do that in your heart and mind every day. When you, when you find yourself tempted to go for mud puddle pleasures, preach the gospel to yourself. Why would I go for that? Christ died for my sins and made me a child of God to find my satisfaction in Him. I don't need that garbage. Why am I discouraged today? Why am I down? Why? Why? Hope in God. Preach the gospel every day. It's a weapon you can use in the fight for joy. You can also sing songs about the gospel. Um, we sing them on Sundays. I try to, try to bring the gospel every week in our songs like this one. My heart is filled with a thousand songs proclaiming the glories of Calvary. Man, what a way to say it. We can't always word it like that, right? Like a a great songwriter can do things like that. The psalmist can do things. Um, My heart is filled with a thousand songs proclaiming the glories of Calvary. With every breath, Lord, how I long to sing of Jesus who died for me. Lord, take me deeper into the glories of Calvary. Sing songs like that to preach the gospel to your heart. We don't ever get past our need for the gospel. We need it every day. Every single day. You can pray through the gospel prayer that I've shared with you before from J.D. Greer. He says, because I am in Christ, there is nothing I have done that could make you love me less and nothing I could do that would make you love me more. You are all I need for everlasting joy. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. As I pray, I'll do so according to the compassion you've shown at the cross 
and the power you've demonstrated through the resurrection. Man, pray that every day, the gospel prayer. That fires me up. That gets me excited. It reminds me of the glories of Calvary. And so use the gospel and your fight for joy. Number two, rely on God's word as your daily bread. In Jeremiah 15, 16, it says this. Listen to this. Thy words were found. Listen to what he says. And I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In Psalm 1, it says that the man is blessed when his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And and so we need God's word every single day. I've I've quoted this one to you several times. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world. So don't be pressed into the world's mold, but instead be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where is our mind transformed? Where is it renewed? In the word of God. There's so many lies out there about where joy is found. So many lies. The the world is telling you all kinds of, if you'll just do this, if you'll do this, if if you'll buy our product, if if you'll follow this plan, And it's lying to us and what we need. And I'm not saying they're out to get you. What they're trying to do is they're really trying to help you, but they don't have the answers. You know who does? God. He created us for his glory, that we'd find joy in him. And so we need to be in the word every single day. So how do we do this? Pick a time and pick a place and pick a plan. It's as simple as that. What doesn't get scheduled doesn't get done. And so every day you've got to decide You've got to plan ahead. When am I going to spend time in God's word? I need it for my soul. I desperately need it. Just like my physical body needs food, my spiritual body needs to feast on the word of God. I need that every day. And so pick a time. When are you going to do it? If you're a morning person, do it before work. I love doing it in the morning. I almost can't start my day without that now. Maybe you're not a morning person. Do it at night before bed. Do it in the afternoon after work. Do it on your lunch break. But you've got to be in the word of God. If you're not much of a reader, start listening to it on the way to work. Or, or listen, there's so many apps out there. And, and you'll find that as you start to listen to it, and as you start to hear it, then you want to see it, and then you want to dive in. And there's this, this effect that happens that you get more hungry for it. But you've got to rely on God's word every single day. Start in the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, we see the glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So let me give you a quick example. In John 8, the religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they say, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And and they say, wait, wait, wait. You're not even 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? And he says, truly, truly, I say it to you. Before Abraham was, I am. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how that doesn't just fire you up with joy in God. What an awesome, what a boss. I mean, he just told these people off. This is Jesus The God-man, the self-existent one, the eternal creator of all things. And we get to read in the Gospels about how he ate and how he drank and how he walked and how he healed and and how he preached. And we get to see it with our eyes and read about it and chew on it and meditate on it and see the glory of God in the Gospels. So read about Jesus and behold him in his glory. Man, that's a weapon to fight for joy. That is so much better than sports. So much better than Netflix. To see the God-man who became flesh for us to die on a cross? Man, I want to read about him more. So use that as a weapon in your fight for joy. Number three, 
Devote yourself to unceasing prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 it says pray without ceasing. Just keep praying. Pray things like, Oh, satisfy us early in the morning with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Psalm 90. Why? Because satisfaction is impossible. Satisfaction in God is impossible without the supernatural power of God's Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We need prayer because we need to ask God to help us in this fight. And not only that, prayer is where we really commune with God. We hear Him in His Word and we respond in prayer. And so devote yourself to pray. Choose a time and a place again. Continue the conversation throughout the day by by making anchor points. I, I have my phone, just remind me. I set reminders throughout the day to just talk to God. Hey, just check in with Him. Talk with Him. Spend time with Him. He's my Savior. He satisfied my soul. I want to talk with Him throughout the day. Use Scripture. Meditate on it. And, and let that launch you into prayer. I often say to pray through the Psalms. You can pray the Psalm of the day. So today is the 8th of September. So you would start with, you would start with Psalm 8. And I looked it up this morning. And look at Psalm 8. If this doesn't fire you up for joy. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Who has set Thy glory above the heavens? Listen to this. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That was today's psalm. If that doesn't fire you up, man, as a weapon for your joy in God, to look at the heavens, to look at creation. We live in a beautiful area. Go down by the lake and just look at the lake and the waves and the sun and the clouds and, and the trees and listen to the birds and, and put your, your fingers in, in the sand and, and think about the God who made all of that came and died on a cross for me. He, he wants a relationship with me? Like, who am I? Man, that will fire up your joy in God. So give yourself to prayer. Pray through the Psalms, the Psalm of the day. This, what's the date? Okay, I'm going to look at that date. I'm going to read through that and I'm going to pray through it. Simple as that. Number four, gather weekly for corporate worship. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So it's saying, don't forsake the gathering. You need the gathering. You need to be with fellow Christians. You, you need to be there to hear the word preached and to fellowship with the saints and to worship God together corporately. You need that for your soul. You can't live the Christian life alone and thankfully we're not called to. That's what the church is for. And, and listen, I know that you're busy. We're all busy, but it's one hour that we give at the beginning of the week to just reset our affections Hear God's word. Gather with the saints. Our our brothers and sisters in Christ. To worship the King of Kings. To hear messages that stir our hearts. And and look, this is very hard for me to talk about because it sounds so self-serving. Right? Come to church where you hear me. But listen, it's not about me, okay? Unless I'm so convinced that you need to be in church regularly. If there's something about my preaching or the singing or the people here that you can't come regularly because you just don't seem to like it, find a Bible teaching church where you can. Because you need it for your soul. It's not about me. 
What, what did I say in the beginning of the message? My job is to be a partaker, a worker for your joy. So, so every week I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm preaching the word every week to try to increase your joy in God. And, and, and yes, I like it when you're here. And yes, it is enjoyable to preach to people and not to seats. But I'm not saying that for me, I promise you. I'm, I'm saying that like, there's a few weeks ago where we, just, we were packed out. Lots of visitors, awesome. But there, there weren't a lot of regulars and it broke my heart. I, I'm not about the crowds. We can go other places to preach to crowds. I'm here for your soul to find joy in God. And so please make this a priority. I, I know there's times where we have to miss, but man, what a weapon. Just coming to church every week, what a weapon in the fight for joy. To gather with God's people and to praise his name and to hear his word preached. We need it. Final weapon, tell others about Jesus. You may think that's a weapon for joy. Like, I hate doing that. It's scary. (laughs) So just hear me. There are a few things more thrilling and exciting and enjoyable than sharing the glory of Jesus with others. And you know what's interesting is that not only does enjoying Jesus, if you really love him, if you really treasure him, you're going to talk about him. But not only that, there is enjoyment in actually talking about him. Like, I can't tell you the joy that comes over myself and my heart when I get to stand up here and just yell about Jesus. Because, man, he's awesome. Like, how amazing is it that I just get to praise his name on Sundays? It's, it's an amazing thing. And when you think about it, C.S. Lewis, again, I've got to quote him. He says this, all enjoyment spontaneously overflows with praise. So think about it. Lovers praising their, their lovers, people praising their sports team, people praising their food, the, the scenery, the hobbies that they do. Everybody wants to talk about what they love. Why? And he says this, men praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but in but it completes the enjoyment. In other words, it is its appointed consummation. So listen, I don't tell Shannon over and over and over again how beautiful she is to to try to compliment her. There's this weird sense in which I enjoy telling her how beautiful she is. It, It just, it completes it. Man, I look at her and I can't stay silent. I've got to say, babe, you're, you're gorgeous. Why? Because there's enjoyment there. Why is it that we, we go to a, a nice restaurant, we see this meal, and we want to take a picture and show all of our friends? Because there's this weird enjoyment in sharing that experience with others. And I'm telling you, when you start sharing Jesus with others, there's enjoyment there. There's joy there. And yeah, it's scary. But it's also scary to go up to the edge of the Grand Canyon and look down. But man, is that a thrilling experience. There's joy there. And so I'm telling you, share Jesus with others. It will spark your joy like you wouldn't believe. It's the, it's the complete fulfillment of that joy in Christ. Man, I'm just overflowing sometimes in my devotions that I just want to go on a mountaintop and yell about Jesus. And I, I can't. There's no mountains around here. So, so, but, but what I'm telling you is, man, when you say, when you say, I got to share Jesus with others, there's joy there. It's a weapon. Use it. Use it in your fight for joy. So who's one person you could share the gospel with this week? What are some ways you could spread a passion for the glory of Jesus this week? There's joy there. So as we close, I, I need to make a final point. I see what time it is, but I need to make one final point. That this, this is a spiritual fight, and I said it earlier. 
But this is a spiritual fight, which means it can't be won without God's power. So, yes, I'm giving you weapons. Use them. But don't use them in your own strength, or you'll fail. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This isn't a physical fight. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. So I'm telling you, there is an enemy out there and he is trying to tempt you to find your joy in other things. It's as simple as that. But if you see, whoa, 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 his tactic is to get me to find joy here. And I know that now. And I'm not going to let him do it. And I'm going to use these weapons, but I'm also going to understand I need God's power. I need his spirit. I can't do this on my own. This is an impossible fight for us apart from God. And so I want to give you a verse that I think brings us into balance. Proverbs 21:31. It says this, The horse is prepared against the day of battle. But safety is of the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, saddle your horse. Get your weapons. Get your mindset ready. Get ready to go fight. But recognize that ultimately, safety is of the Lord. And so we're going to take these weapons and we're going to go into this world this week and we're going to fight with all of our might, but we're going to understand that ultimately, joy in God and satisfaction in Him and, and, and winning in this fight It's got to be from the Lord and His Spirit. And so that means it might take time for you you to to, to be able to use this, for you to understand how how is the Spirit going to help me. We've got to wait on the Lord sometimes. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be mountains. There's going to be times when your heart is just exploding with joy. There's going to be other times where you feel apathetic. Like you just don't seem to care at all about the Word. But we fight We saddle our horse, we get our weapons, and we trust in the Lord for His power. Because look, I know times are going to be tough, but joy in God is always worth the fight. It's always worth it. We don't have a lot of time, but this past week I wrote 20 different reasons to fight for joy. And the strangest thing that night happened, I was driving home from my soccer game, and a a darkness came over me. I can't really explain it to you. Where I just felt joyless. And I got home and, and I was telling Shannon about it a little bit. And, and then I was like, I haven't used one weapon that I wrote down on my paper today. And, and I, I started fighting for joy and God brought it back to me, thankfully. But, but I'm just telling you, there's a war out there. Man, the, the devil doesn't want me to find my joy in God. He sees me right now in all these weapons that I want to share with you. And man, my soul is just in this darkness that I can't explain. It was strange. But I'm telling you, I, st- I took the weapons. I preached the gospel. I meditated on the word of God. I prayed. And, and my joy was restored. And it's not always as simple as that. It might take time. There might be darkness for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So fight for your joy in God. I'm going to bring more weapons next week. But for now, let's close there. Joy in God is always worth the fight. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. All the weapons that we have available to us to fight for our joy in you. But God, help us to understand this is not a fight that we do in our own strength. God, we desperately need your help. So please, God, help us. Fill us with your spirit.
Help for us to prepare our horse and to get our weapons ready, but to ultimately trust you. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so, so full of satisfaction and joy that we can come to again and again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.